This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. You know when you're really stressed or not feeling so great about your life or about yourself? Talking to someone who understands can really help. But who is that person? How do you find them? Where do you even start? Talkspace. Talkspace makes it easy to get the support you need. With Talkspace, you can go online, answer a few questions about your preferences, and be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. If you're depressed, stressed, struggling with a relationship, or if you want some counseling for you and your partner, or just need a little extra one-on-one support, Talkspace is here for you. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance, no problem. Now get $100 off your first month when you go to Talkspace.com slash podcast. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com slash podcast. Talkspace.com slash podcast. Coming up on Millennial. Some of the older ones just walk up, grabbing candy, turn around and walk away. Don't say a word. They didn't even say trick or treat. No. I want people to say trick or treat and I want to thank you. Why do we even do this anymore anyway? This is one thing that the nation is united on. So let's just do away with it. You're so right. I mean, even Ted Cruz, with whom I have nothing in common, wants to get rid of the time change. And I was like, oh my God, I agree with Ted Cruz on something. I feel like I'm going to (laughs) faint. I just find myself thinking, wow, did Zuckerberg read Ready Player One? That book was great. It inspired Meta and Horizon Home. <laughs> you guys just wait. <laughs> Welcome to Millennial 742. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. I love these weeks where I get to rhyme. I know. <laughs> and then Pam and I just follow up like, uh... <laughs> us we don't rhyme we do not welcome to any potential new listeners who are joining us like we mentioned the other day we're doing some advertising on a podcast app called Castbox. so if you're new thanks to Castbox. welcome to the show and we hope you enjoy it and don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss an episode and that goes for all of you don't forget to follow the show for free in whatever podcasting app that you listen to us in did either of you two do anything for halloween ordered takeout and stayed home. It was raining off and on out here, actually. So oh, that's too bad. There weren't that many kids out in the streets. Oh, we ordered a seafood boil bag and it was such a great idea. I think we're going to do that on Halloween from now on because it was just like this delicious, super well seasoned seafood that arrived at our doorstep <laughs> ready nice. for us to eat. And uh, then we played Resident Evil. It was pretty great. We don't get trick-or-treaters here. Were your delivery people like, trick-or-treat, ha-ha-ha-ha, wait, <laughs> I'm giving you something. Yeah, um, he definitely said happy Halloween when he called to confirm our order was here. That's cute. Um, so I thought that was sweet. I went to pick mine up. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> always so much faster. And cheaper. So. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. the delivery yeah. fees are criminal. Yeah. It's 100% <laughs> And we were ordering cheaper. from a place like right around the corner, so it just made sense to go do that. Yeah. I got How's yours? Good. We got a lot of trick-or-treaters. We're in a neighborhood with plenty of kids. I have to say, though, oh, and I did hand out the full-size candy bars. I think we discussed that on a recent episode of After Dark. I only had 60, and that went pretty quick, especially when a couple of the kids are trying to grab two or three of the full-size. You didn't just hand them no, the candy? No. I like holding out the bowl and being like, here, children, enjoy. Oh, no. When you have the big <laughs> bars, you have to hand those out individually because oh, kids man. are- Little shits. And my direct next door neighbor, their kid, such a cute kid, dressed up as a pirate. He comes over and he's him and his friends start grabbing and grabbing. Those two I cut off. They had like five or six. I was like, all right, all right, please stop. I'll give you, oh you can have more gosh. since you live right next door, but you gotta stop. So they were excited. They were yeah. like, We're going to Andrew and Pat's place next year because they have the king size bars or the regular yeah. bars. And it's funny, I close the door and I hear one of them go, Well, that was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> And then actually it was super cute because we saw him later at a party and he was like, hey, thanks for that candy. And I was like, oh, wow, that was so Aww. nice. His parents didn't even ask him. Some kids, though, are some are really brats like the little kids. OK, I can understand. They don't really have their manners developed yet. But some of the older ones, 
Just walk up, grabbing candy, turn around and walk away. Don't say a word. They didn't even say trick or treat. No. I want oh, people oh to say God. trick or treat and I want to thank you. But, you know, that's half the fun, right? Well, I'm not just opening my door to hand out candy and get no uh, verbal contact with that, any of these that people. That is the payment for getting the candy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the entertainment of seeing what people are dressed up as. But, right. Yeah, so it was fun. Now, I, it, it was very inspiring. Next year, I want to do up our like offerings. Maybe um, I saw in our local Facebook group, some adults were giving out alcohol to other adults who were coming by. And Love so that. I'm already thinking about that for next year, how we can do that. Yeah. That's a vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Halloween's out of the way and we're actually recording Tuesday night, which is election election day uh, in some states here in America. Laura, uh, it looks like you participated. Yeah, I've got my I voted sticker here um, as well as I have a little bit of show and tell for y'all. My polling place was handing out personal styluses to use. On the touch screens so that you didn't have to touch anything. <laughs> oh. And I thought that was so cool. Like I walked in and I got there at seven o'clock this morning. Y'all, I got there right when it opened. It was still dark outside. I was all bleary eyed and just like not even half awake. Mm-hmm. Um, and the very kind person um, doing my check in was like, OK, you can grab a stylus and sign here and then go and insert your card and vote. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's pretty other... big for Georgia. Yeah, right. Um but then one of the other ladies saw how tired I was and she was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "I'm fine. It's just I'm not a morning person." <laughs> right, right. But yeah, I thought it was really cool. It's uh that is very cool. forward thinking. We are recording at about 7:30 p.m. Eastern. None of the results are in yet. Three of the big races are the Virginia governor's race, the New Jersey governor's race, and the New York City mayor's race. So, and a couple of these, at least a couple of them are super close. But in some other spooky or stressful news, daylight savings time is approaching and we will actually, is it, is it starting or is it ending? I just know we're turning the clocks back. Daylight savings is ending. We are getting ready to move to standard time. I hate when it gets dark early, and I just hate when it gets dark, period. I always find it depressing, no matter what time of year that it is, 8.30, 4.30. I get really sad about it. Does anybody have any tips for like dealing with an earlier sunset? I'm glad you asked because we posed a question of the week over in the Millennial Livestreams Discord with our patrons who are listening with us live tonight. We asked, what do you do to deal with the time change? So Katie said, when I was younger, my parents would have us change our bedtime by one hour to try and make up for it. But I don't think it ever really worked. Has anyone here ever tried that changing your bedtime to see if you can adjust for the time change? No. <laughs> I try to get up earlier if we're changing the clocks back. So I'm like, oh, I'll get a little extra, an earlier start to the day. But then, of course, as the weeks progress, I just get back to my normal wake up time. Mariah said that they moved their cat's dinner and breakfast time by half an hour this week to ease uh, the kitty cat into the adjustment. So hopefully <laughs> he won't wake me up at 5.30 a.m. all week. Oh. You know what? I need to start doing that because Jasper is a little jerk when it comes to his feeding times. Usually it only uh, really kind of bites me in the butt uh, in, during spring when he wants to eat earlier. But I should try doing that. That would probably be helpful. Yeah. Canela is the same way. She'll start pawing me if she thinks that it's time for me to get up mm-hmm. and it just becomes this persistent thing until i'm finally like oh jesus fine <laughs> we're going um chris said that they try going to bed 30 to 60 minutes earlier a few days before um assuming life and work schedules are permitting of that that's a great idea um justin has just succumbed to the reality of this horrible time change situation and says nothing anymore <laughs> <laughs> i give up <laughs> Uh, Catherine says, I get really grateful when we get an extra hour of sleep and real pissed when we lose an hour. Not really a solution, but I feel that in my heart because at least with falling back, as they call it, when we move from daylight savings to standard time, there is an extra hour of sleep baked into that. In the spring, 
you spring right. forward. And that sucks. I was trying to think of ways to make it suck less. And I have a bunch of these Hue smart light bulbs. You can turn them on with your phone. You can, you can make them any color you want. But they also have this ability to turn on at sunset or within an hour of sunset. You can customize it however you want. So those are really nice because when we do turn the clocks back, yes, it will be getting dark outside and in your house at 430 but your your lights will be turning on as if the clocks hadn't changed at all. So I think for some people, that might be a helpful way to ease the transition. And uh, it's not just the Hue light bulbs that offer this type of um, sunset and sunrise feature. You can also do it with other types of smart light bulbs as well. But of course, it also has to be said that it's like, why do we even do this anymore anyway? This is one thing that the nation is united on. So let's just do away with it. You're so right. I mean, even Ted Cruz, with whom I have nothing in common, wants to get rid of the time change. And I was like, oh, my God, I agree with Ted Cruz on something. I feel like I'm going to faint. But yeah, there's <laughs> absolutely um, sentiment, shared sentiment across the aisle on this issue. Even here in Georgia, they tried to do something um, in the state legislature last year, and it, it didn't go through, obviously. But yeah, I'm ready to get rid of it. It doesn't do any good. It makes me so mad every year when this happens. Twice a year, it happens for most of us in the United States. And there's just no good reason for it. The data is there and it shows that it's not good for us. Humans never actually catch up on sleep. That's like not a thing. So by changing the clock twice a year, we're just perpetually sleep depriving ourselves and making life harder. Why are we doing this to ourselves? The original reason was for farmers, right? But this was a long, long time ago. Yeah. And while we still do have farmers, I just feel like, does anybody talk to the farmers anymore and ask, do the farmers want this anymore? I was going to ask you, so like, does does Pat have feelings on this coming from a more farming community, you know? I don't know. That's a good question. I'll have to ask. I mean, he grew up on a dairy farm, though, so it might be different. Maybe not. Okay, that's fair, because you're talking about agriculture, but it's still farming, so I would be curious. Right. I, I thought it was more for like harvesting crops out on the fields and so i don't i don't know how a dairy farmer would feel i feel like at some point we will do away with it because there's just been this rising resistance to it and everybody's realizing we don't need it and we can do away with it so that would be like a nice gift from the country after the pandemic like yeah the pandemic was slash is awful and You know, we went through a really hard time. So let's make our lives a little better going forward by getting rid of this. Please. And actually, Mariah is chiming in in our Discord and saying, one, that um, there are increases in emergency room visits and hospitalizations around time changes, which is true. Um, And also adding farmers don't want it uh, said as a former farm kid. So Mariah has experience here. I'm choosing to... uh... (laughs) Take her lead on this. I will say if you're looking for a really great summary of why the time change is stupid, John Oliver has a really great segment from his show that he did several years ago. You can find it on YouTube. It's super entertaining, but it also highlights why this is just fucking pointless. Amen. We'll link it in our show notes. Well, we'll suffer for another year, I guess. Well, Andrew, I'm glad that you mentioned um, the pandemic. Now, we're not going to talk about the COVID pandemic today. We're going to shift focus and look at a different public health issue. Um, And remember that there are other illnesses that we need to protect ourselves from. We're going to talk about syphilis today on the show. Um, So more than 129,800 syphilis cases were recorded in 2019, which was double the case count of five years prior, according to the CDC. Um, They're also reporting that cases of congenital syphilis or syphilis amongst babies have already exceeded um, the prior year, which in this case would have been 2018. Additionally, the CDC reported um, that in 2019, STIs, sexually transmitted infections, reached an all-time high for the sixth consecutive year with more than 2.5 million cases of chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis reported. So 
it's not fun to talk about STDs. But the reason I wanted to bring this up today is because there is a huge opportunity for all of us to engage in this public health discussion and reduce the rates of syphilis because it is highly treatable. So a little bit of background here. Syphilis starts with a sore, becomes a rash, and if left untreated, can wreak havoc on multiple organ systems. It's not something that you want. Um, The United States, according to a former CDC director uh, named Tom Frieden, um, says that the U.S. goes through a deadly cycle of panic and neglect in which emergencies propel officials to scramble and throw money at a problem, whether that's Ebola, Zika, or COVID-19. Then as fear ebbs, so then does the attention and motivation to finish the task. To put that in perspective, the CDC has announced two campaigns to end syphilis, one in the 1960s, which obviously was not successful, and another one in the 1990s. Again, not successful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we'll pause here for a minute. Andrew, you had a really great question about how the pandemic might have impacted these rates in 2020. We don't have that data yet. Yeah. Because I'm curious, with less people going out and having sex out of fear of potentially contracting COVID, maybe these numbers declined. But now that it looks like we're coming out of the pandemic, at least in the United States, more people might be getting their bang on and you know not sitting around wasting time, I shouldn't call it a waste of time, uh, getting tested for STIs. And, you know, they're going out and spreading it again. So yeah. I, I feel like there probably was a decrease in 2020 and we'll find that out in time. But I'm not saying at all that coronavirus may have actually stopped syphilis or reduced the numbers to a point where we actually can get anywhere close to stopping Wouldn't it. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> if like during the year when so many people refused to mask and social distance, that syphilis rates go down for some reason i'm imagining <laughs> i don't and know causation the silver does, lining yeah. of covid yeah <laughs> right and then trump takes credit for it this was all the plan y'all i wanted covid to spread so we could stop syphilis from spreading right um i mean correlation does not equal causation so i'll say that <laughs> but i'm not going to be surprised if uh, rates of syphilis either went up or remained steady <laughs> during yeah. 2020, just based on the trajectory of this data. I mean, we're looking at six consecutive yeah. years of increases. It's not a great sign, um, especially when the solution is so simple. What's the best way to avoid getting syphilis? Condoms. Yay! Yay! <laughs> It's a mask for your dick. Just bear that in mind. Um, Even if you have a monogamous partner, it is still important to be screened for STIs once a year. Something that we've, I know, brought up frequently on this show. And I thought to have a little bit of fun here, um, we could each promote a brand of condom that we've enjoyed before (laughs) to... In in the spirit of convincing the people to wrap it before you tap it. Wow. What a <laughs> what a fun phrase. Listen, we're just doing our help. Look, honestly, our, the, our the, only, the only reason I hesitate to answer this is because honestly, I haven't used one in a very long time. And I'm not always proud of that. Uh, but being in a monogamous monogamous relationship now. We have not felt the need to. And that's okay. Yeah. So I I can't like feel confident in promoting a particular brand. You don't remember <laughs> one that you like really liked. Well, I you know you were younger. Always defaulting to Trojan, right? Because that's the ones you are always saw. I mean, listen, out. that would be what I would say. I yeah. didn't look at this question before we started, but I feel like that's the go-to, right? Because mm-hmm. that that is a brand that's out there. I mean, Tro- yeah. I think Trojan's like the only condom brand I ever see doing Same. frequent commercials on oh. television. Or just so. in the store, too. Mm-hmm. It's either Trojan yeah. or Magnum. Yeah. I, like, I don't really go to the sex shops. I know there's oh, some yeah. other ones, I guess- but- 
You know what? It never occurred to me that those are two different brands, honestly. Oh, wait, are they? They might not be. <laughs> they probably are. I just like I'm pretty sure think they about are. it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, oh, no, I mean, actually, Tro- no. It is a Trojan Oh, brand. it is a Trojan product. So Trojan yeah. is just like the... Uh, monopoly of condom brands. <laughs> yeah, Zian is saying Durex or Skin, so there are a couple more options for anybody I've heard of who's listening as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Zian, I'm too tired to have sex. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 very real. That happens to all of us sometimes, you know. Yeah. And and there's no shame in that. No, no, um, it's just funny reading that. Yeah. Um, I would also recommend um, because I think so often um, and it's not even just for millennials and Gen Z younger people. We'll get to a little bit more on this in a minute. People tend to shy away from condoms because there's this perception that they don't feel good, that maybe it's less intimate um, that some people have a harder time staying aroused with condoms. Like there's a lot of reasons why people like to stay away from them. I would speak for um, any of the bare skin products. And by bare, I mean B-A-R-E. I know Trojan makes these and they are particularly thin condoms that are intended to increase sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I would recommend people try if you're not a big fan of condoms and you've maybe not had the best history with having safe sex. No shame for that, but there's no time like the present to um, get back into some healthier habits. And again, I would reiterate um, being screened for STIs once a year, even if you are with a monogamous partner, I do. And, yeah, yeah. I, I can't say I'm as good as once a year, but when I do go to the doctor, I am getting tested. It's not any extra work, really. So yeah, I mean, if you're there I, for a regular checkup, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think I don't know how it works for 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 men, but I know that that's a really nice and convenient thing about going in for, say, you know, uh, a gyno appointment or a pap smear or a general physical is that they just like ask you if you want to. Exactly. So it's a no brainer to be like, yeah, test me for everything and like, let me know that I'm good. Yeah, it's yeah. the same thing for guys. And then you're stressed about it for like 20 minutes and then you get the answer and hopefully mm-hmm. you're fine. <laughs> right. Um, I, I would say another thing that's actually perpetuating this idea that you don't need to wear condoms is porn. And there's so much bareback porn these days. At least when it comes to gay porn, it's all bareback. And that wasn't always the case. But I think testing has gotten a lot better and maybe a lot faster for the adult film stars. And also we have some amazing medications now to help prevent the spread of HIV. So things are changing. But if you you spend any amount of time watching porn, you just never see condoms anymore. And I'm very much speculating here, but I would think that if you are seeing less people wearing condoms in porn, you might be asking yourself, well, why do I have to do it? Especially if you're younger. Like maybe if you're older, you're, you've wisened up to the importance of wearing them. But when you're younger and you don't see any condoms. I mean, I've also and, and this was when I was a good deal younger, but I knew so many of my female friends um, or female identifying friends who would be on birth control. And because Mm -hmm. they had the pregnancy issue taken care of, they thought they were okay to have unprotected sex because the likelihood of them getting pregnant was much lower. Mm -hmm. But they sort of always glossed over the STI component of that conversation. Right, right. There's so much focus on HIV. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... We're in, I will say we're in an amazing place right now in terms of preventing HIV, thanks to yeah. PrEP. I mean, every gay guy, if if you're not in a yeah. monogamous relationship and you're getting around, you're on PrEP. It's really wonderful that that is out there. But it, PrEP also doesn't protect against other kinds of, no, of infections, right? right? So yeah. that's something you have to bear in mind. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know anything on this. Andrew, maybe you're more informed here, but would you say that people are still using protection when they're using prep or I don't think so. No, okay. I don't think so. I assume they're getting tested. 
I've never been on prep. Another big one is Truvada. I haven't been on that either. When I'm single, I'm not sleeping around much. Believe right. it or not, some of you, if I became single again, maybe I would get on it. It would just be nice to know. And I know so many people who are on it. So Yeah. I really like that you brought up um, the impact that this can have on the gay community, Andrew, because the CDC um, also noted um, that with regard to syphilis, this really counts as a major public health failure, particularly with with regard to communities of color. Um, So they said that the concentration of cases in the South identifies communities in which there is a fundamental failure of public health capacity, um, stating stating that um, eliminating syphilis would decrease one of our most glaring racial disparities in health. So there's many, many sort of like dimensions through which you could look at this issue. You know, it's a sexual health issue. It's a sexual freedom issue. I mean, nobody should be made to feel bad or wrong about how much or how little they have sex or with how many or how few people they have sex with. You should be able to do all of the above safely um, with consent, of course. Um, So something that I did want to mention here is... We have to remember that there's no shame if you've tested positive for an STI like syphilis. Um, If the CDC's numbers here are any indication, you are not alone. It's extremely common. Um, And there is help that you can pursue. In particular, syphilis is very easy to treat in its early stages. It's a penicillin shot. (laughs) Um, It's a very effective treatment. And even if you have later stage syphilis, there are treatment options as well. And we would recommend talking to your doctor for more info on that. Does anybody remember? I, I always like bringing this back also to just like public education. Does anybody remember having these kinds of conversations in sex ed in schools? I mean, really straightforward here are the numbers, here are the diseases. If you get it, here's how it will be treated. You should go to a doctor. Because in my case, growing up in Georgia, where they do abstinence-only education, it was literally the, if you have sex, you will get pregnant and die approach. Yeah. So I remember the sex talk in school, and I specifically remember a video that they played for all of us in the gymnasium for some reason. But I don't remember them going through the specific infections. Maybe they did. We had a really, really good sex ed program in high school, in ninth grade. Um, I think that but the the thing is, is I, I looking back on it, I sort of kind of wish that they touched on it again, because sometimes once is not enough. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I think in like, you know, the first time they go through sex ed with with you out where I grew up is like fifth grade, but it's really just like, the fundamentals. And then in eighth grade, they touch on it again. And that's kind of when we started doing more like um, STI stuff and they showed a video. But then in ninth grade, they really like kicked it up a notch and, you know, went into um, condom use and things like that. Like the the school nurse had a program where if you went through training with with her, you could get I think it was like six condoms free every week. Hmm. or something like that and they also had information on how to take the bus from the high school to the nearest Planned Parenthood and stuff so it was like it was really well done and I always thought that that was really cool um, especially because they also had a safe sex ambassadors program so kids could sign up to also like learn more and then educate their peers and sometimes I think that information coming from somebody that's your age or older than you is a little bit easier to Mm -hmm. digest so shout out to my school district for doing a really good job with that. But that's great. And I wanted to highlight this is not an issue that is necessarily unique just to our age group. Um, this is kind of a multi-generational struggle. In particular, long-term care and nursing facilities are fighting the STI battle with their residents, too. Um Some seniors living in these facilities don't have the best rates of condom usage. And to make this even more uncomfortable, (laughs) 
after asking what your condom recommendations would be. I'm wondering if anyone here has ever had an experience with an elderly relative living in one of these facilities. And if so, did it occur to you that this might be a concern? Wow, this is so specific. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. um, Oh. So my... (laughs) My mom's dad, my grandfather, um, he never lived in um, any senior communities full time. But anytime he sort of needed to do any kind of extended stay uh, due to health reasons, you know, he just needed more hands on help than we could provide where he was living at my aunt's house. They would send him to a, a elderly care facility and Every single time he got put in one of these, there were at least like four women sniffing around trying to like bag him as oh a boyfriend. Gosh. And my mom would get so mad, you know, like she'd go visit and and there would be some little lady being like, why are you talking to my boyfriend? And she's like, why are you talking to my father? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my gosh. you know, they are like definitely looking for companionship. I can speak to that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> even at these rehab you know, facilities. So interesting. I mean, you know, everybody needs love. So yeah, yeah. what can you do? Oh, no. But- like, this is a no judgment zone on this kind of thing. This is really in an effort to say this is a very easy um, infection to prevent. And in the event that it's not prevented, it's also very easy to treat. So part of the conversation is destigmatizing it, right? So that people take care of themselves, either through acts of prevention or through seeking treatment. And I'm really glad you brought up Planned Parenthood, Pam. Planned Parenthood has um, very affordable STI screenings as well. So if you don't have insurance um, or if you don't have a primary care doctor, that's also a great place to go. So we'll leave you with this. Wrap it, get tested, and uh, be safe, y'all. What was that phrase you used 10 minutes ago? It rhymes. Wrap it before you tap it. Wrap it before you tap it. <laughs> yeah. Title of this week's episode. There we go. That'll go in the headline. It'll be a little more <laughs> attractive then. Let's talk syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to talk about Facebook today, too. There's been a lot going on with Facebook, and we're going to talk about a couple of the bigger developments, including maybe the most misunderstood headline of 2021. But first, this week's sponsor is Public.com. On Public.com, you can start investing on a smaller scale with slices of shares. Invest in what you believe in with any amount of money. You can also exchange ideas and insights with a community of investors and build your portfolio with confidence. And now you can even invest in popular cryptocurrencies. So now, just like Laura, you can jump in on the Dogecoin craze. What I also love is that public.com puts stocks together in themed collections so you can easily find the companies who you're already passionate about, like cannabis companies, plant-based companies, stay-at-home companies, reuse and reduce companies, et cetera, et cetera. I've been investing for a few years now, and I always lean towards the companies and beliefs that I've already spent a lot of time following because I know them best. Public.com is the easiest stock app you'll use, so you won't feel like it's out of your league, unlike other trading apps, which can be very confusing. It's the place to go to trade with confidence, thanks to the fact that you can discuss the markets and particular stocks and cryptos with other people who are also investing. And Public.com will also explain what's going on in the markets and even with particular stocks. It's really cool. Start investing with as little as $1 and get a free slice of stock up to $50 when you join Public.com today. Visit public.com slash millennial to download the app and sign up. That's public.com slash millennial. Make sure you use that URL. We will also have it in the show notes. Valid for U.S. residents 18 and over, subject to account approval. See public.com slash disclosures. This is not investment advice. All right. So let's talk about Facebook and Meta. That's right. So Facebook has been making headlines for the past few weeks, but we're going to kick off this segment by talking about their name change. So last week, Mark Zuckerberg announced that Facebook is uh, changing its corporate name to Meta. So um, that it doesn't really mean that the site is going to change to Meta. So you're not going to be logging on to Meta. It's just that the, the, the larger banner 
is going to be called Meta and then, you know, everything else like Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, all of the other stuff that they own will be under the Meta banner. Um, so that was the big announcement that they made just a few days ago during a virtual reality and augmented reality conference. Um, during this presentation, Zuckerberg said that the name change came about because the company didn't feel like the name Facebook accurately encompassed everything they wanted to do, which raised quite a few eyeballs. Um, no, I'm sorry, which raised quite a few eyebrows. Um, and so I wanted to kind of start there and ask you all if you feel like this was a good reason to change the company name or if we sort of feel like perhaps it was a very easy excuse to kind of distance themselves away from all of the negative press that Facebook has been getting over the course of the last few years, but that has been really heating up within the last few weeks. Yeah. The timing is interesting for sure. I do think it's a result of what's been going on the past few years. I wouldn't say the past few weeks because this is a very big decision. I've heard two takes on this. First of all, Facebook's name, as we're going to talk about today, is tarnished. And it's actually hurting with hiring for their various projects. They've got Instagram. They've got Oculus. That's their virtual reality project. And speaking of Oculus, potential Oculus customers uh, have been turned off by the fact that you actually need a Facebook account to use an Oculus device, which is very stupid. There's no reason for that. And Oculus is, are these uh, glasses that'll strap to your head and you're put into this virtual world and you can play a lot of games. And I've actually heard very good things about Oculus. So I, I think it's a combination of those things. There was one report that actually said once Zuck Zuckerberg heard that people are not buying Oculus because of the Facebook account thing requirement. That's when he decided they needed to change the company name. And one other point on this company name, I think this is the most misunderstood story of 2021, because if you look at all the headlines, they all just said Facebook's changing its name to Meta. If you right. read that on its face, mm -hmm. everybody reads that and assumes Facebook.com is no longer Facebook. It's going to be Meta. That's not true at all. Like Pam said, it's the company name only. But all these media outlets did a terrible job of making that distinction in their headlines. I totally agree. And on one hand, I kind of get it because it gets really clunky when you say the Facebook company is changing its name. And also, I think most people don't realize that Facebook is the corporate name of the whole brand and right. not just the social media site. So I don't know if there was any way to avoid this, but I definitely think that most people capitalized on the fact that it was very easy to make this unclear. And yeah, it's total clickbait, too, because you're like, oh, my God, Facebook's changing its name. Tap into that article. Yeah, I still think that it's a very convenient um, branding choice that is somewhat tied to the issues that face the Facebook name has had over the last several years. Right. Um, I don't know that having the parent company experience a name change is going to diminish the degree to which Facebook as an application is ruining democracy. And what's frightening to me about this is it it kind of shows that they're positioning themselves to maybe absorb even more under the meta umbrella. Right. So it won't just be Facebook and Instagram and Oculus. Who knows what will end up under that umbrella next? And that's a good segue into the next point I wanted to bring up, which is what is this name change supposed to accomplish for them? Um, so I don't know if anybody tuned into Mark Zuckerberg's announcement, but just in case you missed it, we're going to run down with um, I on can't a few of the stand things. hearing him speak. So no, you will so never catch me watching a Zuckerberg yeah. video. I Meta. took one for the team and I watched like an 11 oh, minute recap you. and he was so like he's like clunky a, in his speaking. And he just sounds like an annoying college bro. Hey, welcome to Meta. Meta is a super <laughs> cool new universe. You guys are going to love it. Well, that kind of tracks for his brand on the whole ever yeah. since he burst onto the scene. So... Anyway, um, per Zuckerberg, the name Meta is more representative of the company's plans to focus on what they're calling the metaverse 
And that is going to center on developing virtual and augmented reality technologies, which uh, sounds like a lot to unpack. So I wanted to highlight what kind of like the bigger announcements coming out of this really were. Uh, Most of the new stuff in the works seems to fall under this Horizon banner, uh, which when used with a Quest headset will allow you to step into what they are calling the metaverse. Isn't that Uh, cool? (laughs) That's basically what he was doing the whole time. He's like, so this is really cool. Let me show you this. So he kicked off by uh, showcasing Horizon Home, where you will be able to create a virtual version of your own house and customize everything from the living space to uh, what you see when you look out see when you look outside your window. Um, and a social version is already in the works as well, which will allow you to invite your friends over virtually. They can join you via uh, an avatar of their own making, and then together you'll be able to watch videos and play games and enjoy apps together. Um, Horizon World was also touched on. Uh, it's very uh, apparent what this is going to be, I think, just based on the name alone. It's just going to allow you to create your own worlds. So it seems like that's more of like an anything goes type situation. And one thing that I thought was particularly interesting is that it's very clear that Facebook is looking to capitalize on the new work from home model that many of us had to assimilate to as a result of the pandemic. So they talked a lot about the work from home virtual space and, you know, creating uh, products that are going to allow you to uh, create your own perfect virtual office space. And he spent quite a bit of time walking through that because they definitely believe that that's here to stay and they're trying to capitalize on that untapped market with all of this uh, virtual and augmented reality technology that seems to me like is going to be rolling out within the next few years. I guess my big question is with virtual reality and let's say you step into a virtual world with glasses that you're wearing or goggles Do you get the same feeling as if you are with these people in person? Will you have that same sense of joy or happiness that you're close to your family again? Because I can see this being great during the pandemic. But after the pandemic, you want to see people face to face. And they've done some demos of this. I guess it's of the Horizon stuff. He went on CBS this morning a few weeks ago with Gail King and they did like a demonstration. And they're all animated characters like it's a Nintendo Wii character or a character from The Sims. And until it's virtual reality, that actually it makes me feel like I'm looking at live Laura and Pam sitting directly in front of me. I don't see this being very appealing to people. Like, yeah, it's a fun gimmick. It's a fun party trick. But why do we need these virtual worlds at all, whether or not they look lifelike? To be honest, I feel like this was something that my friends and I were able to accomplish during the height of the pandemic with Discord. I can't tell you the number of times we got into a shared server and played a game together and we were all in the Discord voice chat. So it felt like we were actually hanging out. There were a couple of times where we actually watched movies together that way. So this is something people have already been doing. So I don't want to assume that nobody would get enjoyment out of this. Um, One, I just don't trust Meta to handle all of the privacy and security implications that come with this correctly. Um, And two, I just find myself thinking, wow, did Zuckerberg read Ready Player One? And be like, whoa. That's exactly what happened. Blew my mind, man. (laughs) That book was great. It inspired Meta and Horizon Home. (laughs) You guys just wait. I guess my hang up about virtual reality is one, the VR that I have done just makes me nauseous. And I've actually heard that Oculus is so good that it won't make you nauseous because you really do feel like you're stepping into a real world. So, you know, again, I haven't tried it yet. But B, is this the direction that we want to go in society where we're not hanging out with people face to face because we can strap on some goggles? I understand that there are some use cases here, like me living in Nevada and my family being back in New Jersey. Okay, that's cool. But is this supposed to replace going home? Do I want to be in a virtual world with my family? Like, there's a reason I was comfortable moving away from them to begin with. I didn't feel (laughs) the need to be close to them. You know what I mean? 
we're already addicted to our phones and stuff. This is going to be going a step in the wrong direction. In terms it's very next level. And then you think about, you know, I know we've brought up the Ready Player One comparison already, but even something like um, Disney Pixar's Wally, where everybody's just like sitting in yeah. these little pods and yeah. not moving around and not getting up. I want to believe that there's never going to be a time where virtual reality can replace, say, going on a hike with a friend or two or anything like that. But I don't know. Technology is scary in how advanced it is already and how advanced it has the ability to become. So who knows? Yeah. And my intent, at least from my perspective, is not to come across as alarmist. I think sometimes these kinds of conversations can devolve into creating the perception that people are afraid of the evils of technology that might come. But to your point, Andrew, you were asking about, is this the direction we want to go in? I don't think we have a choice, Mm -hmm. really. Um, I think this just is the direction we're going in. (laughs) So we just have to try the very best we can to anticipate the consequences, be they good or bad, because there certainly will be both sets of consequences for this kind of technology, just like there has been everything else. Yeah. and. You're right to be alarmist in some regard. Mm -hmm. Specifically, you mentioned Facebook or Meta being the one who's kind of leading the pack on virtual reality from a security perspective. Like you mentioned, they can't be trusted. They can't they can't be trusted with information. You know, they've obviously handled covid and vaccinations and politics very, very poorly. And we're supposed to trust these people with uh, creating the first ever virtual world, like a really, really good virtual world? No, just no. Although, I have a a thought here. What if the January 6th insurrectionists were placed in a virtual reality of the United States Capitol so convincing and so real that they thought they were trashing the Capitol, but in reality, they were just trashing their own homes? Right. It's a good thought. But of course, you are still, you know, you're not transported anywhere. You're still sitting in your home (laughs) wearing goggles. Um, Or, you know, they could use that to meet virtually and plan out their path through Congress. They could do a practice run. I mean, that's a worst case scenario. Right. The only type of VR that I really want Apple is rumored to be working on some glasses. They're working, they're rumored to be working on two things. One, Something similar to what Facebook has now, Meta has now, Oculus, goggles, you play games. But they're also rumored to be working on glasses, just typical eyewear, that would put a sort of heads-up display on your glasses. So without looking at your phone, without looking at your watch, you would get little notifications. Oh, you just got a text. Oh, you um, turn right now. All this stuff appears on your glasses. I think that would be very cool. Another use case, these glasses in theory would be able to identify people that you're looking at. So if you don't know somebody's name, the glasses do. No more, hey, you, how you doing? You, how's your family? You would know all that information and they would know that your glasses are providing a cheat sheet. So stuff like that I think is really cool and that would be super useful. And you're still in the real world. You're still looking around the real world. But the glasses are kind of adding information to what you're looking at. I'm all in on that. But like just being transported to a virtual world, that's too far for me. And I don't want it. I don't want it. But I think you're right, Laura. That's the direction we're headed on. And there's no turning back because it's all these big tech companies. They decide. Yeah. It's douchey, dorky Mark Zuckerberg being like, I want to create a virtual world. and we just have to sit back and and let them do it because we have no other choice. Yeah, I mean, I went to um this uh, the Van Gogh immersive exhibit that we have here in Atlanta right now a couple of weeks ago, and they did have a virtual reality section where you could go and put on the goggles and you could experience Van Gogh's works in VR. Now that kind of limited capacity, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I yes. mean, especially to allow people to experience those works 
in a different way, especially when you consider most people in their lifetimes will probably never see the originals. So to your earlier point, there are absolutely use cases for this. It's not all doom and gloom, but I think we might feel better about it if it were anyone but Zuckerberg and And his. Yeah. Yeah. And his plans are really big. Big. Like he wants you to spend all your time in the virtual world, not just for an art experience once a year, all your time. And that's what scares me. So speaking of Facebook, another angle I wanted to talk about, there were these what's being called the Facebook papers. This was a massive internal data leak. Um, There's been so much reporting on it. We're not going to talk about it today because there is so much that we could potentially get into. Um, None of it's good, by the way. Facebook, you know, is a bad, bad company. They've made really big mistakes. You can go read information. Just Google uh, Facebook papers and you can learn more about the mistakes they've made all over the world and the bad way they handle misinformation and all that. One thing I did want to talk about is over the past week, Zuck has instructed Facebook's teams to start focusing on young adults. He said they want to, quote, make serving young adults their North Star. So much of our services have gotten dialed to be the... Oh, I should do this in my Mark voice. So much of our services have gotten dialed to be the best for the most people who use them, rather than specifically for young adults, end quote. And this comes, of course, as TikTok has just exploded in popularity, and that's where all the young kids are and the young adults are these days. They're not on Facebook. And to this point, thanks to all these recent data leaks, we have learned, and all these internal studies by Facebook leaking, we have learned that Facebook even knows that their platform is aging up meaning less and less teens and young adults are joining Facebook, and instead they're going elsewhere. And one reason this is a very big problem for Facebook is because advertisers advertisers prefer the younger users because they're way more impressionable. The older generations, they're set in their ways, so they're less inclined to try new products and brands. And of course, as these older generations die off, there's just going to be less people on Facebook because the younger generations aren't joining. So the fact that Facebook isn't gaining new, younger users is a huge problem. So that's why now they're going to start trying to be down with the kids. And these changes might take years. They're going to have to roll out new features. Some of the features that are rumored, and again, these came out of the Facebook papers, they are working on enhanced groups. They're working on a focus on mental health. Imagine that, going to Facebook to help you with your mental health. <laughs> no fucking thank you. What What are they going to do? That That seems very counterintuitive. There is Maybe, yeah. <laughs> plenty right. of research showing how bad social media is for your mental health. Right. Plus, they own Instagram, and Instagram has directly been linked to poor mental health. Exactly. So maybe so. they can make some moves to uh, improve how people feel when they're using the apps. Maybe they could become a talk space or a better help, you know, connect people with therapists. Speaking of connecting people, they are apparently going to be working on job finding tools as well. And also mood feeds. That's something they're kicking around as well. So you're like, so you could be like, oh, I'm in the mood for some relaxing content. And then you click a button and your newsfeed changes to just relaxing content. So these are all things they're just thinking about. Many of them may not come to fruition. But like I said, Zuck is now saying young adults are going to be our North Star. One more near term change. And I'm already seeing this on the Facebook mobile app. I'm already seeing Instagram reels in the Facebook newsfeed. Yep. Instagram reels are their TikTok ripoff. I don't know if I have a place on Facebook or even social media anymore if we're transitioning to like the TikTok style videos, because personally, I've just never gotten into TikTok as much as I try. I hate watching videos on social media, period. Pat will sit there on the Facebook watch tab, just flip flipping through videos. I hate stopping and watching stuff on my phone. Absolutely hate it. So I just don't like where <laughs> Facebook's going. <laughs> Because everybody wants to be TikTok right now, you know? Yeah. So what do you two make of all this? It'll be interesting to see what happens when some new and trendy 
social app comes along after TikTok and eclipses it, I mean, that invariably happens, right? Uh, It'll be interesting to see if Facebook, well, I'm not going to say if, it'll be interesting to see when they decide to pivot their strategy, how they try to rebrand themselves at that point, given the pretty massive rebrand they're going through right now. Um, It honestly just strikes me as a bunch of corporate jargon bullshit. Um, And I think that that's what we can probably expect from Zuck for the rest of our lives. Um, I would personally <laughs> like it. our lives. That's accurate. And He's also not really going sad. away. I know. Yeah. Um, I think it would be funny if, say, and they're not going to roll out all these changes at once, but like, say, sort of on the eve of them rolling out one of their biggest, most anticipated features if we all just collectively deleted our Facebooks. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we've had this discussion before, and what I will say about Facebook that I like is I really like Facebook groups, and we have a great group for millennial listeners and just any other millennials out there. I really also like the marketplace. It's very easy to buy and sell items from people nearby, and there's no fees involved with that. So that's a great way to sell stuff uh, because eBay has fees, whereas Facebook Marketplace doesn't. So I like it for those two things. If you two had anything good to say about Facebook, what what would you say? Like, what features do you actually like? The millennial group is really the only reason that I still check Facebook. Um, it's handy for um, if you have friends who live far away, it's handy for being able to keep up with them. And even if you haven't spoken in a while to at least see that, you know, they're alive. <laughs> So that's helpful. But outside of that, I can't say anything positive about Facebook really anymore. I used to be a very heavy user, but especially since the 2016 election, my interest in hanging out on that platform has waned significantly. Yeah, I also I'm pretty much just there to check in on the group for this show and then every once in a while something will pop up right when I open the page you know pertaining to somebody that I'm personally invested in whether that be a relative or somebody that I used to be friends with went to school with and it's that's kind of nice because like Laura said it's just nice to see that that those people are doing well but I don't um, have a desire to really keep it active. So I, I would much rather spend my time on another social media site, honestly. Mm-hmm. But would you I know a lot it, of Pam? people are there all the time. I, if we did not have the group, then I would. I, I think I, I don't would... think it like serves a purpose even in my for like my career. I'm in some local interest groups and I really love those too. Like I'm in a Las Vegas food scene group. And I'm learning about all these restaurants that I never would have otherwise. And you see pictures of the food. And then I go on Google Maps and I add them to a list. Um, And then I have like a Southwest group and people share all like some really good hikes and stuff like that. So groups in general, I just like am really into. And here's the thing. You can't get like a separate groups app. I wish you could. But of course, they keep this all within the Facebook app so that you can't delete your Facebook account and can't delete the Facebook app because you need that app for just one of like the 50 different features. Although honestly, it really speaking of that, it really bothers me that that messenger has offshooted into its own app. Has or hasn't? It has. Has. Because I, I haven't downloaded it because I honestly, it's always just like people I don't want to talk to trying to talk to me on Facebook Messenger. And that's nobody... Um, that like listens to the show or anything. It's literally just like family members that I don't want to uh, interact with at all. Um, and I just that really I hate that I have to like download it so that I haven't like every time, you know, I get a message on there. It's like, oh, you have to download the app. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll just wait. And maybe <laughs> I'll look at it when I hop on <laughs> Google Chrome. So yeah, that's what's going on with Facebook. Not a good time to be 
really any employee of Facebook because it, they've just been getting hit with so much bad news. All these revelations have been coming out and none of it has been good at all. And they have a lot of work ahead. And it'll be interesting to see what features they do roll out for young adults. So it might be too little too late. You know, there was a time a few years ago where I thought Facebook would be dominant forever just because we have so much personal information and all of us already on it. And now TikTok has come along and is doing really well. And as we've spoken about on the show before, it it's a feel good app. I think you two have experienced that. And the algorithm is very, very good. It knows exactly what you want. The glory days of Facebook are over. We'll see what happens. Well, when we're using Facebook or any social media app, we are spending a lot of time looking at our screen and our next sponsor can help you with that. Because this week's episode is also sponsored by Felix Gray. They are the blue light glasses that started it all. Five years ago, Felix Gray set out to create eyewear that would improve daily screen time. Since then, Felix Gray has been on a mission to create a better relationship with technology. Thanks to these glasses, you can help reduce eye strain, headaches, and the insomnia that comes with staring at a screen for as long as we do. Felix Gray lenses filter 15 times more of the blue light that's bothering you. Whether you're heading back to the office, back to school, or maybe you want to come up with a helpful gift idea for someone, you can count on Felix Gray. Visit felixgrayglasses.com slash M-I-L-L to check out what they have to offer. These have been so helpful for, for all of us here on the panel, and they look great to boot. Just really highly recommend them. There are non-prescription and prescription glasses available. So check them out now, felixgrayglasses.com slash M-I-L-L. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash M-I-L-L. Free shipping, free returns, free exchanges, felixgrayglasses.com slash M-I-L-L. All right, what is coming up in After Dark today? We're going to be answering some Bay questions that we got over at patreon.com slash millennial. We've got a number of great, great questions here, ranging from... Uh, autumnal weather changes to free will, planning road trips in, a, in an electric car, Pam's post hypable plans. We're really just covering all of our bases here. Have so. any of you come in contact with an old bully? And I wanted to include this one because <laughs> Laura's got a story there. <laughs> do I? Do, uh, yeah, I think, yes, you do. <laughs> You'll have to remind me. Okay. What story this is. I'm surprised. Okay. All right. So patreon.com slash millennial is where I'll be reminding Laura today about her bully story. So when you do pledge to our Patreon, you get access to After Dark. This is a bonus installment of Millennial. We attach it to the main show and you can download it through most podcasting apps. It was just a one-time setup and then you will get those After Dark episodes uh, attached to Millennial ad-free automatically each week. There's lots on our Patreon. Thanks, everybody, so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. We had this survey that we did a few weeks ago. Laura, Pam, and I sat down the other night to review the survey results, and everybody just had some really sweet things to share. Right, Laura? Yeah, and also some really great feedback that we're using to help inform what changes we'll make to the show in the coming years. So thank you so much. Yeah, we're excited to implement all of that. So it's time for recommendations. I hardly do makeup recommendations, but I wanted to recommend this product because I feel like the price point is really good and I struggle to find good eyeliners. So if you're looking for a good liquid liner, I highly recommend the ColourPop BFF liner. I just got it in the their black shade, which is called Numero Uno, and it, it's just got a really nice, fine felt tip that's not too flimsy. And I really like doing, you know, a cat liner pretty much every day. So it just makes that so much faster for me. And I cannot recommend it enough. It's like $8 at Ulta, or you can buy it on their website. Actually, like in general, their products are really fairly affordable. And I've never bought anything I didn't like from their line. So check them out if you're looking for, you know, something to up your makeup game. Pam, I'm going to need a cat eye tutorial because... Oh, I can show you. It's so easy. Okay. At almost 33 years old. I have yet to master this. I can't do it without them looking uneven and wonky. So I very much welcome your expertise. Listen, I'm sure that mine are uneven, but they don't look uneven. So it's fine. (laughs) 
No, they look great. Thank you. Thank you. I want to recommend Mario Party Superstars. This is a new game for Nintendo Switch. It takes five of the best Mario Party boards from the classic Nintendo 64 and GameCube versions of the Mario Party games and 100 of the best mini games from those classic games. Puts them all in one new package. It's so fun. All the graphics are updated. The game is absolutely beautiful and it also supports online play. So you can actually play Mario Party, the Mario Party that you know and love, with friends all over the world if you have Nintendo Switch online. So if you were a fan of Mario Party back in the day, there's a great new version available that takes some of the best boards and games from the old days and puts them in a modern and beautiful new package. Mario Party Superstars, check it out. Um, I'm going to recommend the Van Gogh Interactive exhibit that I mentioned um, during the Facebook discussion. Um, This exhibit has um, locations around the world right now. I know here in the U.S., at the very least, it's in New York, D.C., and Atlanta. It was so much fun. If you book the tickets out far enough in advance, you can get them pretty cheap. Um, And it's just an easy way to spend an afternoon. Best part of it is there is uh, a 360 degree interactive um, exhibit portion where Van Gogh's paintings are animated very beautifully and transition into each other. So you get to see the movement in real time of all those brush strokes. And um, they overlay it with various different quotes from Van Gogh. It was super relaxing. Um, They have these like really great comfy chairs in that room. So you can just like pop a squat and hang out and just stare all around you to look at the art. It's very beautiful. That sounds awesome. I'm looking at the website now. It looks very cool. Mm-hmm. If you have any feedback about today's episode, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. And also follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And by the way, thanks to the people who did uh, fill out applications to become our, our next social media manager. We're reviewing them now. Hopefully we'll pick somebody in the weeks ahead. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everyone. See ya.